Welcome to PHT in the Morning with your host, Pastor David Miller from the Pentecostal Holiness Tabernacle in Cincinnati, Ohio. Good morning and welcome to another episode of PHT in the Morning with Pastor David Miller and I will be your host today. So we have been talking to you the last several episodes about salvation stories and uh, some great things that we have seen or known about of uh, conversions. And I have an evangelist here from our church, actually. He's a full-time evangelist. His name is Quentin Sewumanutafa, and we just appreciate him so much, him and his wife, doing a great work for God, evangelizing, and uh, we're privileged to have him here with us today. So we're going to be uh, talking with him and have him talk with you about his salvation story and exactly uh, what happened to him and how God changed his life. So I'm just going to turn the mic to Brother Quentin and let him talk with you. Praise the Lord, everybody. This is uh, Quentin Simonutafa. Well, here's a quick testimony about where I came from and how I found the Lord. One thing that I've come to understand is there's one way to God, and that is only through Jesus Christ. But the, the, the pathways that lead to Jesus Christ are so many. Now, I'm pretty sure many people out there didn't find Jesus the way I found him, and this is how I found him. I grew up in a home. There are seven siblings that my mom had, and out of the seven, there's only one that went to church. And of all the churches that they went to in Hawaii was a holiness church. Could you believe that? A holiness church in Hawaii? <laughs> Anyways, my auntie got saved in this church. And she was so different from all my, my mom and her siblings. From all my uncles and aunties, my auntie was different from them all. And what I've come to understand now, it only has to do with the love of Jesus. And how Jesus really transformed her life. Well, anyways, she was, she was an awesome woman. And cancer came back the third time in her life. And um, this was the time in her life when um, I was already 18, 19 years old and was in the hospital. Now, in Hawaii, we have this thing called ho'oponopono. Don't worry, you don't have to say that. But it's when you sit down as a family and you hash out whatever's wrong and you make right. That's all it is. Ho'oponopono is a meeting amongst who you have an art with and you make right within the room. So here we are. We're in, a, we're in the hospital room because she has cancer. And she's crying with all the things she's hooked up to the machines and all these wires all over her body. And she's trying her best to sit up. And she's sitting up in so much pain and she's crying at the same time. And the first thing she says was, you know why I'm crying? It ain't because of my sickness. It's because I know where you're going when you die. And then one by one, she was making right from the oldest of our siblings and our cousins. From my oldest brother all the way down to my youngest cousin. And she was ministering to each one, one by one, telling us about Jesus. And before she got into this position, she used to take us to church. They had all of these church activities, you know, these um, Sunday Bible school things during the summer, vacation Bible school, which was fun. And then during Halloween, of course, Holiness Church don't do Halloween. So they did Hallelujah Night, which is this big bizarre thing for free it was incredible stuff so she already introduced us to the lord when we were young but when we we're older we didn't care you know we started partying and doing all of these things but here here we are in this hospital room and she's making right amongst all her nieces and nephews and her son she had one child 
And one by one, she went down the line and she came down to me and she said, Quentin, I told you about Jesus. Get to church. And one thing she said was, I'm not asking you to quit your drinking, quit your drugs, quit your partying. All I want you to do, if the church of the doors are open, get to church. And she died January 28, 2002. I found myself in the church, Super Bowl Sunday. That Sunday in following January 28, I was in the church, Super Bowl Sunday, drunk. And I went to church drunk for about three months because I loved her. I loved my auntie so much. At this time in my life, I was 18, 19 years old. She has been such a vital part in my life, even greater than my parents. That's how much I loved her. Her love for us was so different than anything we ever, um, ever encountered in our life. From my grandparents, our parents, uncles, and aunties, she stood out among them all. So when she died, I really, really took it to heart. I mean, I was devastated. So the last words that she rendered to me was, go to church. When she died, I honored her word because I loved her that much. I loved her more than I loved my mom. I mean, I loved her with everything within me. I loved my auntie. So when she died, I went to church, drunk. And over and over again, I went to church. Every time the church doors was open, at Greater Mount Zion at this time, church was in the morning, um, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday evening. And I was at church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday evening, no matter what. Because I loved my auntie. I never loved God. I loved her. She was my everything at this time in my life. 19 years old, 18, 19. So anyways, three months in the church, I found myself shivering in the back of the pew, not knowing what was going on. Then this lady, her name was Harilyn Kalua, she was trying to get me to the front of the church because I was sitting in the back pew because, you know, that's where sinners sit. <laughs> Anyways, all you back pew sitters. <laughs> so there I am sitting in the back hiding from everybody else. You know, she comes and she's trying to force me to the front. And I remember looking at her because she was a petite woman. And I kind of said something that was not nice. It wasn't church words because I wasn't a church guy. I was in the world, you know. And, and she was persistent. You know, being irritating to me in the back of this church while I was crying. I was shaking, not knowing what was going on. Here she comes. And I don't know, this young lady, um, small lady, got me to the front of the church. And then I started uttering words that I, that I didn't know was in me. Words like, God, if you are real, take this taste from my mouth. God, if you are real, then deliver me from these things. Lo and behold, he did. But I was one of those young guys that when you get saved, you know, one year in, I, I, I was... I was ready for, you know, fight the devil already once on my deliverance. I, I My deliverance came so fast that even my family didn't even consider my change. And they used to make fun of me. But anyways, I was in the church after my auntie died for about a year and a half. Then I got a, a job offer to go to Florida. Now, while in Florida, I backslid. Now, my auntie, of course, at this time in my life has been a vital part for me. She was my everything. But when I was in the church, there was two people that I kind of cling to was these two elders in the church. It was Elder Wayne Vieira and Elder Joshua Kalua. Now, Elder Wayne, now he is the current pastor of Greater Mount Zion Holiness Church out there in Haula. My pastor, I love him very much. Uh, I used to call him every morning drunk, believe it or not, while I was in Florida. I would irritate them. I would call Hawaii time, two, three in the morning. And you know, not once they ever said... You dumb, no call me ever again. But they gave me the time. They gave me the, 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 the counseling that I needed at that time in Florida. And I irritated them month after month, calling them all the time, crying on the phone. Oh, I don't know what to do. I was an irritating, you know, backsliding Christian. But here we fast forward back to 2007. I came back from Florida. 
moved back to Hawaii and I found myself getting married to the granddaughter of of the founder of Greater Mount Zion Holiness Church. I was marrying the granddaughter. That's right. I was hated from Greater Mount Zion because the cherished child from Greater Mount Zion wanted to marry somebody from the world. And nobody thought that was likely. Only me. And at that time, I was thinking, these church folks, they're so judgmental. They're irritating and they're fake. You know, I had so much, <laughs> I had so much bad remarks marrying her. But you know who was there for me? Even after my marriage, the same two elders. It was there for me, helping me through, because I was an irritating kid who thinks he knows everything. You read the Bible once, maybe twice, you read the whole Bible through and through, and I was a reader. Not so much a prayer, but I was a, I was a reader. I love reading. I love learning. Greater Mount Zion at that time was hard to understand the teaching. You know, when, you, when you're young, the Bible teaches that you got you to gotta drink the milk. Now, here am I, a young Christian trying to eat steak. It doesn't happen that way. Even though I was mature, I was in, the, in my 20s at that time. All these things that I was learning was new to me. You know, I had to, be, had to relearn some stuff, relearn my walking, relearn my talking, and all of these things. But, you know, throughout all of that, God has been patient as well as the people that I looked up to. They were patient with me, helping me along the way, correcting me when I was wrong. And guess what? I got corrected a lot. I think that's why I learned faster because of my correction. People loved me enough to tell me I was wrong. People loved me enough to tell me to be quiet. People loved me enough to put me in my place. And the places that I've been put in has only led me to become the person that I am now. So when I look at correction, correction is something that I invite. Even sitting under my bishop, Bishop Miller, I always welcome him to correct me. I, I, I welcome correction. You know, when I am wrong, I want to be corrected. I don't want to walk in err. That's the last thing I want to do. I didn't come this far to be smart in my own eyes. No, I want to walk after the, the word. I want to walk after in spirit. I don't want, want to walk after the things in the flesh. But here am I. Somebody who was born and raised in the world in alcohol and drugs and ugly background. That Jesus has saved. That he has cleaned. Now he is teaching me to do some things. That is sometimes even still new. You know when you grow in the Lord and you start learning new stuffs and you think you got it and yes, you start applying that in your life and then you grow a little bit more and then you find out, oh, that's old news. I got to change. I got to apply new things because this new skin got to carry new wine. If there is no new skin for this new wine, the Bible lets me know that it will burst and it would waste this wine. So at, at this point in my life, I am still learning, you know. After all these years from 2007 to now, what is that? 13 years. 13 years learning. And you know, when I was youth leader at Greater Mount Zion, I used to tell my, my youth, I said, you guys have been in church longer than me and yet I'm teaching you? I go, shame, man. You guys not shame that you guys have been in church longer than me and I have to tell you guys the difference between Jonah and Noah? It's pretty embarrassing. <laughs> but it's amazing when you give time to the word. When you give time to not just reading it, but to putting it in, let, let that grow in you. You know, the Bible has this term about chewing the cud, you know, when the Levitical laws came out and said what animals you could eat, the splitting hooves and the chewing the cud and the chewing the cud. And if you really study that is when you have a thought or a scripture that just you cannot just get out and you just let that marinate in Hawaiian, we call that miko. You know, just let that marinate and get better in you. And that's what happens when you really give give in to the word and give in to the Lord and said, Lord, have your way. So that's my transformation. There's a lot that goes behind it. But I tell you what, the day when I told the Lord, Lord, have your way within me. I want to learn your ways. Guess what he did? <laughs> he even saved me and I started learning his ways. And his ways is hard to understand. You know why? Because I don't understand.
because <laughs> that's his ways. But the more I read and the more I pray and the more I get correction and follow great leaders, you know, as such, you know, great leaders in Greater Mount Zion. Elder Joshua Pastor Wayne was my great leaders that I followed. And now I'm under the leadership of Bishop Miller. And there's a lot to learn from this gigantic man of God. And I'm talking about in the spirit. Right, guys? You know what I'm saying. But amen. Bishop? Yeah, that's great. I'm loving this. This is a great... This is a great testimony here by Evangelist Quentin, and God has greatly used him. And I just want to ask you, uh, Brother Quentin, did you did you think ever, back when you first started praying, that you'd be a full time evangelist traveling across traveling across the country preaching the gospel? <laughs> Who? Would want to, right? When you first get saved, you're just so happy you're not drinking beer, you know? Not even teaching Sunday school. No, I, not in my wildest dreams would I ever even, even think that God would use such a person like me. You know, it, it's so much so that even my parents, even to this day, they, they just trip. That's right. They trip. T-R-I-I-I-I-P. Trip. That I'm, I'm doing this calling for the Lord. Not in... not. Not even them could ever imagine that their son, who they've seen, and the examples that they have given me, which was terrible. Great parents, they love us, you know, in the way that they should love, but not for bring me up in this sort of way and for do this, this work for the Lord. So no, I had never, ever thought in my life that I would be an evangelist. I'm still, I'm still learning what an evangelist is still. So amen. Brother Quentin has done a great, has done and is doing a great work for the Lord. Uh, God is using him in many of our holiness churches. And like when I first met Brother Quentin, I would have never known or never believed, uh, you know, that he had come from uh, that background, you know, of alcohol or drugs or things of this sort. But that's the kind of God we serve. It doesn't matter, you know, what we have been. It doesn't matter what kind of sin that the devil has uh, uh, used upon us, but when we come to know the Lord and he makes a change in our life, it's just so different. And uh, honestly, I think I know the answer, but I'll just ask Brother Quentin uh, here today to tell it his words. Uh, don't you, or do you feel so much better now living for the Lord and knowing, knowing what you know now than back in your early life? I'm not saying there wasn't pleasure in sin for a season, but now, I think the biggest regret, and I go, I go at this over in my mind like a lot. My biggest regret is I wish I found the Lord sooner. I wish I took it more serious. But I, I can be honest. I loved myself. I loved the pleasures of this world. And for many of, of those church folks that have never been in my position, that would, would say, why do they do that? Because it's fun. Because it tastes good. If you have never tasted the Lord and to see that he is good, mm -hmm. then the world tastes good. That The fun was fun, you know, but was there nights? Of course, there always comes those nights when you just think, is this really it? Is this really all there is? So, of course, even in the times of having fun, I was tired of being tired. Right. And um, I just thank God that when I understand certain parables, 
to be that one. You know, when I when I look at that, I um try try to be quick with this. When I when I analyze that one, like I wasn't even part of the fold. You know, when you when that means I was part of the you was part of the hundred, and then the one got away. I wasn't even part of the hundred. So that parable, I, I I cannot even identify with that parable because I was never part of the hundred. But I was just somebody out there. I was just a wild olive branch. But because of the natural branches that God broke off that made room for somebody like me yes. to be connected to. So when I look at those scriptures in Romans, I, I, I just thank God, not for the failure, you know, of, of Israel, of the Jewish nation. But because of them, I, I had a chance to be engrafted in. But my great, biggest regret is I wish I took it serious earlier and really knew the yes. Lord, for, like how I know the Lord now. And I'm pretty sure I don't even know. Um, know it all yet. So I know God is going to call me for even make more drastic changes than I've already made. And I'm willing and I'm open to it yes. when it comes along. Amen. It has been a great pleasure to talk with Brother uh, Quentin here today. He is a, uh, like we said, he is a full-time evangelist now preaching uh, not just all over uh, the states, but God has also used him to preach across in other countries I've got about two minutes here, and I'm going to ask him to tell you about uh, a place that he went and preached in Africa, if he would. Tell us a little bit about that. God has used us to go to Malawi. Uh, going to Malawi, you know, we heard a lot of stuff about water shortages and things things of that that sort. But we went there. There's a shortage that God has showed showed me, spoke to me very deeply, was there's a shortage of Bibles in the church. And the only ones that would have Bibles in the church would just be the pastor and everybody would just sit there and listen and go home without the word. And it, it weighed heavy on me. So God gave me that. I, I, I started texting people. We came back home and we raised money and we bought Bibles for the people of Malawi in their language and children Bible in English because they're learning English. And it was such a, a blessing to be there. Um, if I could remember one thing, there was a, a preacher's conference and unbeknownst to me, that many of them was coming to throw in the towel. They was done preaching. This was told to me after. God gave me a word for this preacher's conference. That at the end of the conference, we went in the truck. And as it was taking me back to the hotel, the bishop turned to me in tears. He said, this is why you came to Malawi for these preachers. You don't know. Many of them was done preaching. But your word that was spoken today. And this is him. My God, my God. You, this is why God has brought you to Malawi. So if he was there in this conference, you would have seen um, the passion that was given back to these preachers. Because if you go there with, and you see what's, if you saw what I saw, it's easy to not be encouraged. Yeah. And, and it was just an amazing experience to just be there, that God used us to go there. And we have struck up a beautiful relationship even to this day. We still talk, we still text, and we still keep in touch, and we still try to help with whatever need they have. Let me ask you, was there, didn't you say there was one service, I think I'm correct, that there was like 120 got saved? Yes. Street ministries, um, the, the scariest thing in my life. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't expecting to do something like that. But anyway, we, we stopped at four different places because we had a vehicle. They don't own a vehicle. We had a vehicle. We rented some speakers and bought some microphones and we went to the streets and preached, which is unheard of in Malawi. 
But doing four of these um, stops, um, a total of written on paperwork that 120 souls. And that's those that stayed around to write their names on the piece of paper. A lot of them didn't stay. But if you could see what I saw when I asked them if they wanted Jesus. And you see those hands go up and you see those tears water up. And I started crying. It was a beautiful thing to see the work that has been done in Malawi. And, and what a thing. 120 souls. Was it more than that? Oh, you betcha. Names are not even written on a piece of paper. And, and yes. God had his way mightily when we was in Malawi. And I give God all the praise because it's only through him we can do such things. Amen. It's been a pleasure to have Brother Quentin with us here today on PhD in the morning. And he's he's doing a great work for God. I'm just so proud of him. And uh, like we said, he uh, uh, was uh, living in Hawaii and moved over here to uh, minister and evangelize over here in the uh, the states over here and other parts of the world, and God is blessing him and using him. So I know you've been blessed by his story today. And I ask, I ask you not only to pray for us, but to pray for, for Evangelist Quentin. If God would ever speak to your heart, that you'd want to send something to him for his uh, missions work, then you could send it to our church um, address, and I'll give you that. And all you'd have to do is say, put... Uh, uh, in care of Quentin, and we'll know that's for him. And that you could send that to PHT 2100 Springdale Road, Cincinnati, Ohio 45231. I hope this has been a blessing to you today, and hope to uh, hope you join us again on the next episode of PHT in the morning. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day. Mm-hmm.